Welcome to the Quantum Growth Podcast, empowering financial advisors to build practices for the 21st century by providing insights and interviews on leadership, strategy, and practice management. Now here are your co-hosts, Shenandoah Connor and Barron's Hall of Fame top advisor, Jonathan Cutton. Welcome everyone to the Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors podcast. I am very excited about our guest today. It's related to something that is very near and dear to our hearts, and that is CPA Alliances. And so I'm actually going to pitch it over to John to introduce our guest today because it is someone he has worked very closely with for about 20 years now, I think. Is that correct? Yeah, hard to believe that um, while you guys can't see uh, Mr. Serini's video here, uh, but that I have been looking at this face for almost 20 years. So you, you, had, you had hair back. No, you didn't have hair back then. Uh, it's, been, it's been a while <laughs> since I had hair. Thank you, Ken. So uh, it's funny. Uh, you know, f- first, let me formally introduce uh, my very good friend, uh, longtime friend, Ken Serini, uh, CPA, founder, CEO of Serini and Associates. And I'll, you know, fair warning, Ken and I will have some fun today, take a couple shots at each other, but uh, we're actually quite good friends and uh, love to present together. It's always a good time as I don't know what will come out of Mr. Serini's mouth. Um, but, you know, with that being said, uh, a little context, Ken is the first CPA relationship that I built. Uh, back in 2001. So um, as my mother-in-law says, there's a pot for every lid, uh, or lid rather, for every pot. Ken was the first person foolish enough to uh, partner with my firm way back when. So with that being said, um, I wanted to, Ken, uh, give you the opportunity to quickly introduce yourself to the uh, to the audience. Thanks, John. I really appreciate it. And thanks for the opportunity to, to share my, uh, my background and, and what I do. So Ken Serini, managing partner, as you said, of Serini Associates. We are a 50-person firm located on Long Island. Um, we've been around for 27 years and uh, still going strong. We, uh, we've been growing at a rate of about 14% a year for the last few years, so it's pretty good. Um, we're, uh, as a 50-person firm, we're very big on the audit side of things. So we do a lot of financial statement audits, uh, work a lot with nonprofit organizations and for-profit companies alike. Uh, heavily into the uh, pension plan area, kind of focusing on pensions and pension audits, as well as um, working with uh, individuals through um, and, and corporate owners through their normal tax work. Though, uh, and this will uh, be important later, but we don't really do a lot of personal returns. We do maybe about uh, 650 to 700 personal returns. So it's really a much smaller part of, of what we do as a firm. Um, but even with that small tax practice, we've been able to really incorporate financial planning into our practice pretty effectively. Great. Well, that brings me kind of to my first question is what made you get involved into financial planning and, and you know, get involved with John? <laughs> uh, truth or a lie? <laughs> uh, well, I think we're looking for the truth here because other advisors are, are looking to learn from it. But if the lie is better, a better story... <laughs> You know, that's better for radio too. So whatever you think is going to sell it. (laughs) Well, the truth is that uh, we were um, trying to provide financial planning services uh, to some clients. And uh, if you thought, think about what happened back in, and John mentioned that we we started working together back in 2001. If you think about what happened back in that time, uh, you had a little thing um, called September 11th. um, And that really had a dramatic impact on the stock market. And we were kind of dabbling 
in working with some clients and we realized that, you know, with all of this stuff going on that we really um, didn't have the um, background, the expertise, the systems and control environment to do all of this ourselves. So that left us in a situation where we either had to um, go all in and uh, find someone who was really going to be our financial planning arm of our firm with all of those compliance aspects and everything that goes with it, or we were going to strategically partner with someone on the outside uh, and have that um, outside person be our partner. We were seeing at that time that a lot of clients were asking us about financial planning. Clients, um, when we sat down with them to do taxes, would assume that we were looking at a lot of their financial documents as part of the process. So we would get hit up with a bunch of questions throughout this. And, you know, we knew some of the answers, we could fake some of the others. And at the end of the day, it really came down that we needed to have a deeper level of expertise if we were really going to um, carry on that fiduciary responsibility that we felt we had for our clients. Yeah, Ken, well said. And, um, you know, just to also frame things out here a little bit, you know, in my opening remarks, you know, Ken, uh, honestly, is a bit of a pioneer. Um, and I say that uh, in, in, in full transparency. Um, back in 2001, uh, it was rare that a CPA kind of was willing to get involved in financial planning, was able to see the future. Uh, one of the interesting pieces about Ken is he's actually a CFP as well. Uh, in addition to being a CPA. So uh, I think he was able to kind of see where the industry was going a bit. You know, and Ken, one of the questions that I would ask, um, obviously our audience is primarily uh, financial advisors, right? And you know, you know, Ken has for years been really uh, a great help and consultant in our coaching company as well. And one of the things that um, advisors have always told me is that having you as part of the coaching program was unbelievably helpful because they kind of got inside of the mind, right, of a CPA. Because That's kind of scary to get in there. Especially <laughs> yours, for sure. You never know what you're going to find. Yep. But maybe you can just talk a little bit, Ken. I'll hit you with two questions at once, like I'm famous for doing. One is um, maybe you could talk a little bit about um, where you think that disconnect is between a financial advisor and a CPA, because lots of times it's hard for advisors to build relationships with CPAs. And the second question that, uh, if you can remember, I know it's a lot to ask, um, is you know kind of where you see the industry today, right? Because I think it's sort of a similar time that when we met with volatility and uncertainty around um, September 11th, back in 01, and now here we are with a lot of volatility and uncertainty in our world today uh, with COVID-19. So you can handle those in any order you'd like. Sure. So let's start with uh, the order that you put them in. Um, so when we look at um, you know, the, the disconnect, as you call it, between the financial advisor and the CPA, um, first of all, as we've talked many times, there really shouldn't be a disconnect. There really should be this um, joint effort between both parties to help the client. And I think, you know, if you think from the mindset of an accountant, I think that's what you have to think about. The first thing that an accountant is thinking about first is how do I help my client? And that's not to say that financial advisors aren't doing the same thing, but it's that relationship. It's that trusted advisor that the, the accountant is walking in with. That's paramount over everything else. I, I think a lot of times what you, you, you find is that financial advisors can see the money. And they can see things a little further down the road 
And I think accountants tend to be a little more narrow and closer thinking. Um, so they're really more focused on how does this help my client? How do I benefit my client? Um, if, I, if I do something, uh, what is the impact on my client? Not necessarily at the beginning, what is the impact on me? Down the road, those conversations will come. Down the road, those conversations are going to be important. But at that very beginning, the most important thing is that client relationship. How do I preserve the client relationship? And there's always that concern is if I refer somebody and something goes wrong, am I going to lose the client? Is there going to be an issue with the client relationship? Um, if I refer someone, what does that do to my um, independence or the ocular from the client's perspective in terms of what that independence looks like? Um, is that in any way, shape, or form going to uh, lessen uh, the relationship or lessen the, um, you know, what I have with my client? Because as you know, um, one of the hardest things that financial advisors have is how do I go out there and bring on new clients? And we as accountants, we have the same thing. Um, it, I, I think at times it might be a little tougher for us as accountants to try to bring on new clients because even if an accountant screws up a bit, people do not like to change their account. They just don't. They get stuck with the person they work with. They stay there for years. We've seen some nightmares in terms of what accountants have done on accounts we've taken over. And they just, you just sit there and you shake your head like, why did it take you so long to switch given what was happening here? So again, I, I think when, you, when an advisor is working with an accountant, they got to approach it, I think, with a little more kid gloves. Um, they have to understand that accountants are not as outgoing and marketing driven as um, financial advisors often are. Uh, accountants are very protective of the relationship they have with their clients. And in some respects, they have to be because there are IRS regulations that require them to um, really preserve the information and not share and not cross market and all of those things that um, you would think would be uh, natural and easy to do. And some of this has to do with some of those acquisitions that occurred back in uh, the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, so again, I think that's part of the mix here. So again, if you are approaching as a financial advisor, a CPA, um, I think you need to approach it from the perspective of what's in the best interest of the client. How can we work jointly to benefit the client? Um, me bringing the financial advisory part of it, you as the CPA bringing the tax and, and accounting background, and how does that provide an overall better advice package for the client in total? Yeah. So I think, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say super well said, and um, you might be going here. One of the things that you know, I've heard you talk through a little bit in the past is how do most CPAs, in your opinion, think about the financial services industry? I think that might be helpful for, uh, for our listeners. Sure. Yeah. I, I, again, <clears throat> I think, you know, the reputation that a lot of um, financial, I'm not going to use financial advisors because I, I think financial advisors are very different from financial brokers or um, individuals who are, are out there trying to, you know, pedal stocks or pedal funds. Um, and I, I think you, you have to kind of understand that there's that differentiation that exists. And I think it's important if uh, an advisor is talking to a client that they make sure that, uh, talking to a client, talking to a CPA, I'm sorry, that they make sure that that uh, understanding is clear because we as accountants, we do a lot of planning. We do tax planning. We do you know all sorts of planning for our business planning for our clients, similar to what a, a financial planner does. Um, I think what happens though is financial planners get lumped in with all of these other brokers 
and you know they're akin to maybe one step below a used car salesman you know so you're in this situation where you know they're trying to sell something it's you got kind of got that whole image of you getting that phone call hey i got a great stock tip for you and you know that's that's not um what we as accountants are trying to convey to our clients. We're trying to convey, they need to be a little more conservative. They need to balance their portfolios. They need to think about things holistically and plan appropriately. All of those things that financial planners do. So it, again, I think it's just a matter of really being in a situation where um, we kind of separate between a financial advisor and really someone who's just trying to sell a product. Yeah. Can I oh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, Shannon. I was going to say, well said, Ken. And I, I know um, when you and I met, uh, you were out kind of interviewing advisors. Um, maybe you could tell everybody a little bit about that process and how we met and kind of that story. Sure, sure. Um, we were actually the result of a cold call that came from one of your associates. And uh, um, back then, I mentioned earlier that in the late 90s and early, um, I guess probably late 90s, where uh, there were some financial advisory firms that were buying up accounting practices. And uh, back then, Ameriprise had purchased, uh, I guess, McGladry. I think it was RSM McGladry. I'm pretty sure that was the acquisition that took place. And they were pretty big in our marketplace. Um, and so when uh, your associate called me and went to set up the appointment. Uh, we were talking for a while. I liked what he had to say because he was hitting all the right buttons in terms of uh, talking about financial planning and a lot of the other people I was talking about. It's like, hey, you know how much money I can make for you? It's like, no, that's, yeah, they all sound like they're from Brooklyn. I'm sorry. But, um, you know, that was not something that I was interested in. I was interested in, you know, how can you help my clients? How can you uh, I'll worry about the money part of it later. Um, and so the conversation went very well. All the right you know, um, boxes were checked in terms of what I was looking for. And then um, he mentioned you guys were with Ameriprise. And I was like, um, shit, how do I cancel this meeting? And I, and I didn't, and I'm glad I didn't because uh, what I did do though is um, I, I set up the meeting, um, our conference room back then was right by our front door. So you came in, you walked right into the conference room and I told my receptionist 15 minutes after the meeting started to come in and tell me I had an important phone call so that I could run out and uh, cancel the meeting on, on John. And uh, uh, John came in and again, he continued to stress all of the right things and all of the things that I felt were important for a financial planning firm and how Ameriprise focuses on financial planning and all of those things were the right messaging. And when she ran in to tell me that I had another client appointment, I told her to take a message and I continued to, uh, to talk to John and uh, the rest of its history. Oh, I think that's great. Um, and I really wanna drive in on something that you have said here, I think in a couple of different ways is that advisors really need to take the time to first differentiate themselves from that moniker that the rest of the financial services industry has with CPAs and really taking the time to make it about what's important to the CPA first. Um, Cause like you said, they're always coming in with where it could be, but you have to start with where everybody's at first. Um, so I really wanted to kind of drive that home. I think you really uh, illustrated it beautifully. Yeah, I feel the second part of the question to answer too when we get to it. Yeah, no, I was uh, going to get us to that point. <laughs> I know John. John likes to throw us in a couple different directions at once. 
like, like to get minds going a little bit and um, just two, two clarifying points. One, wasn't it mean of Ken to walk me into a conference room and want to actually kick me out? Um, <laughs> well, how many people actually on this actually got to get to know you? I mean, once they get to know you, they realize why I'd want to kick you out. And I didn't even know you then. <laughs> yeah, well, he gets there eventually. <laughs> yes. but thank, thank you both. I'm glad. It took I, longer than 15 minutes. Yes, thanks for coming on my podcast. That's fantastic. Thanks so much, guys. <laughs> uh, and this, the second piece is we were American Express back then, right? So yeah. mm -hmm. that was that was your concern as American Express was out yeah. buying up accounting firms uh, here in. That's in right. Thank you. Uh, now, if you would, I'd love for you to answer the second question. I forgot what it was, but hopefully you're the, the second well, question. I, I, to do yeah. The pandemic. Yeah, the pandemic. And well, you'd already been through one crisis with the back in 2001, right when you were starting to do this financial planning. Now you've been doing having the financial planning for the last 20 plus years. How did that help you or or, or did it help you in terms of kind of weathering the storm with this current situation we're dealing with? Well, I, I, again, I, I think um, it all comes down to uh, expectations and establishing the right expectations with clients up front. And that's one of the things that uh, as a financial planner, I think you can, you know, financial planners can do effectively is, you know, John uh, would start off many of his uh, meetings with clients, his first meeting, he said, you know, he would tell them as one of the things he would guarantee is he would guarantee them at some point in time during the relationship, the market's going to go down and they're going to lose some money but he also guaranteed that he would be there to answer any questions that they had during the course of that um, time. And I think that's important. I think it's important for um, you know, a, a CPA to understand that you're there, you understand that the market is very volatile and can change, but you're also going to be there and be a resource for the CPA throughout that process and for the CPA's client throughout that process. So again, I, you know, I look at the volatility that exists in today's marketplace and it's been totally strange. I mean, you get, you know, huge fluctuations down. We took a 10% drop in the market, you know, back in uh, March, April, and, and now, you know, we're up at higher than the level it was at back then, you know, so the, the market's been kind of all over the place, you know, and at some point in time, there will probably be another correction, you know, and it might be a deeper correction than the one that was there. And again, as long as there's good communication and as long as there's, you know, proper expectations uh, discussed, and as long as you're focusing on the right strategies to meet the needs of the clients and considering all of the, the important uh, aspects that come in, in with financial planning in terms of considering uh, asset allocations and um, uh, time horizons for needs of resources and, you know, all of those, those components, I, I think you're fine. You know, and it's, it's making sure that that, you know, those discussions are had up front and that the CPA feels comfortable with you as a professional. I mean, if, if you think about it a second, you know, we as CPAs, you know, like I said, I have about 650 to 700 tax clients. OK, I would venture to say there's probably a bunch of them are, are handling things themselves. Some of them are using financial advisors. There's probably at least two, 300 different financial advisors kind of in that mix, maybe less because a lot of them are with John, but you know, in that mix, you know, other than John and maybe one other advisor, we barely ever talk to them. So you know, that's one of the things that from a financial um, planner perspective and talking to a CPA, that's an important consideration to get across too. How often 
you know, do you, Mr. CPA, talk to other financial advisors that are working with your clients? And wouldn't it be better to work with someone who's going to talk to them on a regular basis and communicate with you also and include you in that process? Yeah, no, well said, Ken. Um, you know, one of the things that I wanted to dive into a little bit is what do you think about if, you, you know, if you're an advisor listening into the call today, the podcast today, the marketplace today as it relates to CPA firms, right? So um, I think about, you know, running a CPA firm today, there's a lot going on. You got COVID, you got PPP loans, you've got, you know, small businesses, which as you know, although your firm might be slightly different uh, than most CPA firms doing a lot of audit work and kind of having other divisions in your firm, a lot of smaller accounting firms are really predicated on tax, the tax side of the business. Do you think it's a good time today um, as CPAs look at kind of where their business is headed in the future? I talk a lot about kind of, you know, backwards looking accounting firms versus forward looking, meaning kind of compliance driven versus advice driven. If you can talk to that um, and your opinion on kind of the CPA uh, world today, where it's going and whether or not sure. financial planning being part of it in the future. Sure. So uh, I think, uh, we're seeing out there in the marketplace that a lot of accounting firms got hit um, due to this COVID pandemic. A lot of the accounting firms that are working with uh, businesses, small businesses, have seen a decline because the businesses, and again, depends on the industry. If you're in the construction industry, you're in the restaurant industry, you're in, you know, um, depends on the, the different industries that you're working with, um, you know, you could have gotten hit harder than anybody else. So, you know, there are industries and industry pockets that have been hit hard. And I think most accounting firms will tell you that they're down right now. Uh, even some of the larger firms, we've, we've seen a lot of um, turnover and we've seen a lot of, the, of uh, accounts being laid off because we've hired a bunch of them. You know, we, we happen to be up a little this year, which is, you know, unusual for firms, but uh, most firms are, are, are down. So it is, it is a tougher time um, for accounting firms. Um, and I, I agree with what you had said about, you know, maybe backward looking versus forward thinking. I think a lot of accounting firms tend to be historians, you know, and, and accountants, while they are the most trusted advisor, they're a trusted advisor who's providing you information about where you were. You know, they're providing financial statements about years that have passed. They're providing tax returns on years that are passed. What are they doing from a forward looking perspective? And I think, you know, uh, those firms that are helping their clients to move forward are the ones that are going to do well uh, on, on a ongoing basis. And when we talk about looking forward, we're talking about business strategy. We're talking about tax planning and business planning. Um, you know, you find that most business owners, you know, when you look at where they spend the majority of their time, they spend the majority of their time in the current, in the present. And, you know, they're dealing with what's known as crisis management. They're trying to put out fires. You know, they're, they're running around trying to answer questions and, and meeting deadlines and everything else. And they don't really spend a lot of time, you know, working on their business. They spend more of it working in their business. And it's, you know, helping as a CPA, if I can help my clients to be more forward thinking and to help them to run their business more effectively by helping them develop a roadmap as to where they want to be and a plan to get them there. I'm going to be much more effective. So, and, and also, you know, it also comes down to how do I also become a more integrated component of what my client needs? So it's not just, I do a tax return, see you next year. 
It's, you know, how can I do a tax return? How can I meet with them on a monthly basis to talk about their business? How can I help them uh, do projections and forward looking um, observations? How can I incorporate, as you said, you know, financial planning? Because, you know, that's a key component. You know, when you think about a, a, a person and what a person is or a business owner is interested in, there are usually two factors that a business person is interested in. They're interested in money. How do I make more money? How do I drop more money to the bottom line? Uh, how can I do more for my staff? And that all takes money to do. Second is uh, time. How do I create more time? You know, and sometimes those two are at you know, complete odds with each other. You know, I've got time, but I don't have money or I have money and I don't have time. So we as accountants, if we can help them to generate uh, an environment that helps them to get to where they wanna go, whether that's more time, more money or some combination of the two, um, that's going to be the most effective accountant that you can have. And those are the ones that uh, are going to uh, thrive going forward. Yeah, couldn't, uh, couldn't agree more, Ken. So do you see more accountants in the future um, or current time getting involved in financial planning? Do you think it's kind of leveling off or any, any um, opinion on kind of where the industry's headed? Um, it's something that is pushed very heavily by the AICPA, the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants. So it is an area that um, the AICPA has identified as a growth area for accounting firms. So it is an area that I think is going to gain more and more traction as we move on. Uh, I think um, from a individual tax perspective, I think a lot of the clients are asking and would love for their accountants to be involved in the process. Uh, and when I say involved in the process, it doesn't mean that they, the accountant has to be the financial advisor. It means that the accountant is uh, working hand in hand with that financial advisor, again, to make sure that the client's needs are being met. Let me give you, if you don't mind, let me give you two examples, real life examples of uh, situations that really happened. We had a situation where a client came to us and said, I sold off some life insurance policies. I was like, oh, or cash in some life insurance policies. I was like, okay. They hand me their tax information and there's a whole bunch of 1099s in there. Turns out they weren't life insurance policies, they were variable annuities. And the client owed a whole lot of money because they cashed in all of these variable annuities. Client got very upset at both myself and the financial advisor. I had nothing to do with it. I wasn't involved in the sale of them. I didn't even know he was doing it. But they got upset with me because they ended up having to pay a whole lot of taxes. So they fired both me and the financial advisor. If we had been communicating, we both would have been able to preserve that relationship because there would have been a discussion before those life, the variable annuities were sold. Second scenario, working with a financial advisor, um, we had a client that had um, a very large position in a pharmaceutical company that was acquired for cash. Client had a $300,000 gain. We sat, we spoke to the financial advisor. They sold off all of the lost positions that were in the client's portfolio. We brought the amount of gain down a bit. The client is very philanthropic. So uh, she made a bunch of contributions. We calculated what the tax would be. We told her come April, she'd have to pay X dollars in tax. When we did her tax return, that's exactly what she owed. She loved the financial advisor, loved us. The only difference there, communication. Yeah, no, and obviously I know a little bit about those. And just you know, kind of as a frame of reference, I think you know what Ken's saying, and I say the same thing a lot, is when the advisor and the CPA work together and collaborate, right, ultimately the client 
gets a better overall advice package. And, you know, just as, as frame of reference for the audience, um, you know, I, I, within my own financial planning practice, we have about 60-ish relationships with firms just like Ken's, right? Uh, although Ken's firm is probably on the larger size, we gravitate towards smaller firms. Um, I think Ken was alluding to this before, his tax practice is similar uh, in size to most of the firms that we work with. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I can see in the industry today is that CPA firms, when I met Ken in 2001, he was a rarity. I was getting lots and lots and lots of doors slammed on my face, in my face. Uh, is that what caused it? Yes, yes. That, that's why I look like this today. Thank you, Ken. Um, and uh, that's your second dig. I've only had one so far if we're keeping score. Um, but uh, today, I mean, CPAs are starting to call our firm a little bit uh, and seek us out. So I can see, you know, in an, almost a 20 year period of time, um, the change where it was almost frowned upon. Um, and I called Ken, you know, a pioneer before he might have, by the way, caught an arrow or two in the in the face, which could be uh, why well, he looks the way he does. But yeah, uh, I saw the swelling around the nose. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, but in, in any event, I, I do think that there is such um, a change where the lines are kind of blurring. And for a lot of CPA firms, if you're not doing forward looking work, if you're not helping your business owners grow their business, you're not helping your personal and business clients with their wealth management needs. Uh, it's becoming a competitive disadvantage uh, as opposed to, uh, you know, just being able to, you know, make it an advantage at this point. Any thoughts on that, Ken? Um, sure, sure. I, I agree. I think it is a, a disadvantage. I think clients like that one-stop shop um, attitude. I think clients like to know that their CPA is, uh, really involved in a lot of different aspects of what's going on, that their CPA is, is kind of looking over things and not necessarily, like I said earlier, they're not necessarily doing it, but that there's that um, kind of that comfort level that someone else uh, who's on their side, who's their trusted advisor, who's actually taking the time to, to go through the process. Because to be honest with you, I think a lot of our clients think we're doing that anyway. When, you know, when they give us their tax return and they give us all those documents that go with the tax return, they think we know what's going on with their account. They think we're looking at it. They think we're, you know, when they give us their, you know, maybe pension statements that we're, we're looking at the, the funds and stuff. We're not looking at any of that stuff, you know, and, and it's, it's an unrealistic expectation. But, you know, by getting involved, you're now getting that expectation that the client has and bringing it back to reality, which is really what the client's looking for. Absolutely. And I think with you bringing that, again, clients are expecting it. Your associations are pushing that CPAs start doing this. But you mentioned earlier, a lot of CPAs still really aren't equipped to really make it happen yet. They either haven't made that paradigm shift or they don't understand it enough or they don't know it yet. And so that's why, and kind of our side, we, we're always teaching advisors to lead that uh, relationship can you talk to exactly how an advisor can help really drive and, and guide a CPA towards this new way of doing business and, and in a way that is gonna really make sure that it's good for both parties? Sure, sure. Uh, again, I, I, I think, and I, I've mentioned it a couple of times, but I think the, the first step is, and this goes back to the question John asked earlier, you know, it, it's getting in the head of the CPA, it's understanding what's important to the CPA. and you know, and it's understanding what the objections are 
so that you're prepared when the objections come to kind of meet with those. Um, you know, there's there's that uh, the the biggest objection I think you're going to have is you know I don't want to jeopardize my client relationship. And the truth is, you're not jeopardizing the client relationship. You're strengthening the client relationship by being in a situation where um, you're working hand in hand with the CFP and making sure that the client's needs are met. As I go back to those two examples I showed before, uh, and the only difference was that communication that's taking place. If I can enhance the communication with other professionals that my client's working with, and that you know whether it's a financial planner, it's their lawyer, it's their banker, whoever it is, anywhere where I can enhance relationships that I have and, and enhance the communication, the client's in a better spot. So first of all, it's, it's about you know, showing them that the client will be in a better spot if you're part of the process, because the, the client's going to do this no matter what. You know, is the client better off with or without you? And is the client better off having you involved in the process and looking over things to make sure that you're comfortable and at the end of the day, the client's comfortable? So that's, that's number one. Number two, there's that whole fear of um, I'm going to lose referrals from other financial advisors that I work with. I can tell you that um, we don't get a lot of referrals from financial advisors or not a lot of really strong referrals from financial advisors. We get some, um, but we don't get a tremendous level of referrals from financial advisors. We have other professionals that we get more referrals from, such as lawyers and, and the like. So you know, when you look at it from that perspective, again, what I think happens is if I work with a financial advisor like John, and I can tell you from the relationship we've had, um, the John gets to know the client a lot more. It's funny because we're the trusted, trusted advisor, but John gets uh, deeper into some of the personal matters that a client has with respect to their financial plan and their life and everything else. We tend to do more from a business perspective John gets to know them as a person and what they're trying to accomplish personally as a financial advisor. So that also opens up other things because maybe they're selling a house or maybe they need to redo a will or maybe they, you know, uh, they have, they want to transfer some funds or whatever it is where there's another professional that needs to come into the mix. So one of the things that uh, we've been able to do is leverage those um, referrable um, points in a uh, individual's life cycle uh, we're able to refer them to people that we work with, and that creates more opportunity for growth through referrals from other centers of influence that uh, that we work with that maybe wouldn't be referring if we weren't referring that level of business to them. Um, there's the whole independence issue, and, and should we really be doing this? Is this really our job? And again, I think our clients think we are doing it already. So you've got perception and reality, and perception is reality. So even though it's not really our job, the perception is there that it is and that we're doing it. So if we're going to be thought that we're doing it anyway, we might as well do it effectively as opposed to just not do it. From an independence perspective, you always have to remember that if you're doing any of test services and there's something financial advisors need to understand. As an accountant, um, I mentioned earlier that we do audits. So if we do audits, reviews, any of the test function that we do for a client, um, you know, we have to be independent. So those clients, I tend not to try to refer over to John because I want to be in a situation where uh, I don't want anybody, whether it be real or perceived independence issues uh, occurring. So I keep my audit clients completely away from John um, because of the financial relationship John and I have. 
I don't want anybody to think that there, there's an issue there. So that's, that's another thing. And by letting uh, accountants know that you understand what their concerns are, what their issues are, um, and, and helping address some of those issues up front during the process, I think it puts, gives you a leg up in terms of working with the, the CPA. Yeah, and Ken, um, no, thanks for sharing that. Um, you, you, you had talked a little bit, and I think it would be good for our audience to understand. Um, you know, I'll hit you with my famous two questions. Maybe you can talk a little bit about, you know, how our relationship, I mean, we work with somewhere in the neighborhood of 150, maybe 175 of your firm's clients today. And, you know, for the audience's perspective, it's just shy of about $100 million of assets. Um, can you talk a little bit about how this is, uh, how, how has it gone? How have your clients reacted to us working together? Good, bad, ugly, be, you know, fully transparent. Um, and then also kind of the economics of it. You know, what does it mean, um, you know, whatever you're willing to share uh, economically to the firm and, you know, maybe how much time you spend on it would be kind of a good frame of reference for everyone. Sure, sure. Um, I do want to stress, though, um, if you're working with CPAs, do not lead with the economics. I talked about that already. I talked about you want to lead with how it's going to benefit the client situation. So don't lead with the economics. But again, as, as John says all the time, it, it, it's not about the money. It's not about the money. It's not about the money until it's about the money. Um, go ahead, John. If you're going to do it, you have to do it with my accent. You got to say it a little slower. It's, hey, Ken, it's not about the money. It's not about the money. It's not about the money until it's about the money. I have nightmares about these phrases because I hear them so often. I'm just saying. <laughs> and again, what that means is just to kind of clarify, and I think, you know, everyone could probably figure that out, but um, I think Ken's absolutely right. And I made all the mistakes I've made, Ken and I made together, right? And, you know, quite frankly, a lot of the success we've had in our practice was learning from Ken, right, how he thinks uh, as the CPA, and it helped us build the next 64 relationships, right? So, um, you know, when, when you think about it, you know, and this would be a great question for you, instead of me giving the answer, Ken, as you're speaking a little bit, maybe you could just talk a little bit about how you really feel about the money and being compensated as you tie it in. Maybe I'll have you tie that part in as well, because I, I think there's this, this, this difficult read with the CPA, right? Where it's always about the client, about the client, about the client. But once you get past the CPA trusting you, and understanding that you do great work, you care about the clients, you always do what's right. Um, in almost every scenario, the CPA becomes very interested in being compensated. So maybe you could let us into that sure. phenomenon as well. Sure, so I've got three questions. I'm gonna to try to juggle them and get them all into this. So I think, again, I think part of it is when when you look at, and we'll, we'll start with the all about the money piece here. Um, when we think about how CPAs typically get paid. We get paid based on the work that we perform. Um, it's usually based on time spent. So it's usually a function of time. Um, and it seems like it's never at whatever. Our, we set billing rates, but then we discount them and then we discount them some more. And then we compete with other people who force us to discount them even more. And you know the billing rates are, are, are not that strong. And we really make our money off leverage. We're able to hire other people and get other people to do some of the work so that you know, we make a little bit off us and a little bit off the next person, a little bit off the next person. That's how we make, you know, we get paid. So it forces you to get bigger because if you don't get bigger, you're not gonna get a, a big payday. 
the thing about financial planning that's so um, great is you don't need to bring on, there's not a direct correlation of time and money. You know, time does not equal money. Um, there's a, a correlation of um, assets under management. And as long as you're doing the right job for the client and you're spending that time up front, and you do spend a significant amount of, of time up front, uh, understanding the client, developing a plan for the client, working with the client and everything else. Eventually you get to a point though, where, um, you know, those quarterly meetings or periodic meetings uh, and planning for those meetings become the significant amount of time that you're working on uh, a financial planning account, which then creates bigger margins in later years. So you have smaller margins in the early years and bigger margins in later years. As accountants, our margins don't really increase. You know, we, we get paid by the hour. Our margins are flat. Our margins are flat. So, you know, if we can um, get a portion of the uh, assets under management, a fee uh, as a portion of the assets under management, um, a lot of times that fee is a lot more than the amount we're getting paid for the, the work that we're doing for that client. So I can do a tax return. I get paid $500 for a tax return, but I might make 1000 or $2,000 off the financial planning arm of it. And how much more time did it actually take me to do that? not significantly more. You know, we're meeting a couple times maybe during the year or having a conversation or whatever it is. Sometimes it's even less than that. So all of a sudden, my hourly rate, my profit margin and everything now becomes a little more fluid. So it, it's not directly tied to the time I spent. It's now tied to another factor that creates more profitability and more revenue. I could drop more to the bottom line. So that's what makes the whole... Um, partnership with financial planning when you actually get to that monetary monetary piece uh important again you know you, you look at it, it it's it's good for the client because the client gets as you said a better all, overall advice package it's good for the financial advisor because they're getting access to a intense um group of clients that they don't have to market heavily to get and it's great for the cpa because the cpa uh clients are in a better spot um, i truly believe that you know, with me and my staff involved in the process, the clients are getting a better or in a better spot. And then there's the monetary component of it that goes with it, that drives more bottom money to our bottom line, creates more profitability, uh, bigger profitability than any other aspect of, of what we do per hour. So I know there were two other questions and I've totally shot those two other questions out of my head because- Yeah, no, he was asking about how your clients have received- Got it, Having Thanks. the, the mm -hmm. dual component to it. Mm -hmm. So um, obviously we have to disclose to our clients that we're taking a, uh, or we're functioning in a dual capacity. We're functioning as both uh, a uh, CPA as well as getting compensated for the financial planning aspect of it. And I think, you know, once the clients understand that from a choice perspective, they could choose not to have us in the process or choose to have us in the process. And if they choose to have us in the process, they can pay us directly or it could come from the financial planner, but their fee is going to be exactly the same. I think the clients want us in the process and they don't want to pay for us when they can have us for free. So we've never had a problem with any of our clients. None of our, pro our clients have ever given us any grief with respect to that. I can tell you in 20 years working with John, we and this is one of the, uh, the big concerns that CPAs have, what happens if I bring you in and you, you screw something up. I'm going to lose the client. We have never, 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 one more time, never lost a client um, because of our relationship with John. 
And it's because we communicate effectively. We let the clients know that John is their financial advisor. We are their CPA. Um, we're not um, naive enough to think that every single uh, client relationship is going to stick on either side. John has certain clients that are no longer clients of the firm. And we have clients that are not clients of John because every relationship isn't the right relationship. But we've never lost a client because uh, John's firm gave bad advice or because the market went down or any of those things happening. So again, I think our clients appreciate it. And when our clients have left, you know, and there haven't been a lot, but the few clients that have left John and moved to another financial advisor, they've always had their financial advisor call us because they like that relationship. They like to know that we're part of the process. Yeah, and the flip side of that, Ken, which I think is a good one is, um, you know, there has been an occasion, and we tell this to CPAs all the time, where um, your firm might have referred someone to us and, you know, a handful might have left over the years uh, your CPA firm, right, but stayed with our wealth management firm. And the nice thing is, is that the CPA, you're able to continue that revenue share, right, right. Mm -hmm. online as well. So it kind of uh, insulates the, uh, you know, the income, so to speak, as well. You know, I, I know we're getting close to end of time here. Um, you know, one of the other uh, things that I wanted to make sure we got out today is just, Ken, you know, it, it, and I think you hit some of this today, but I'm just curious to see if there are any other um, kind of big boulders that you would want to kind of talk through with a financial advisor. You know, what advice do you have for an advisor who wants to work with someone like yourself? Uh, in their approach, um, you know, maybe that's something to do or not to do, however you would best express that. I mean, I, again, you mentioned before that, you know, I've, I've helped you on the consulting part of the practice. I mean, one of the things, um, it, it's, it's a couple things. First of all, it's important that when you uh, have that relationship with the accounting firm, that you, you work at that relationship. It's not like, you know, uh, you meet the accountant, you know, you sign them up and then there's lack of communication. You have to keep those regular meetings. Anybody who's part of a networking group knows that the reason networking groups work is because you get together on a regular basis. You're in each other's face. I mean, John, John was very good at being in my face when we first started. I mean, he was kind of a stalker. He, he actually rented the suite right next to me. And then one day I came in and he was cutting a hole in the wall so that he can connect our two offices together. So he was a little bit of he was a little bit of a stalker, and you know he would come into my office, sit in front of me until I made call, phone calls and everything else to my clients. But again, at the end of the day, you know he was providing that leadership that I needed as an accountant because I'd already given him buy-in to help me to to you know to this is something I wanted to do. And again, I talked about crisis management and getting bogged down in the things that were where everybody is doing. He helped me to kind of focus on moving this aspect of my practice forward, which is important. Um, accountants are not as good in marketing as financial advisors are. So one of the other things that you should be thinking about in terms of all of this is, is how do I lead my CPA partners? How do I work effectively with my CPA partners? What other things can I help them to do to help them run their business more effectively? Because again, they're working on helping their clients, but they don't always have an inward look in terms of what, what they're looking at for their own business. So those types of things I think are important too, in terms of, of being a real leader. 
uh, again, making sure that you're, you're meeting on a regular basis. When you set those appointments or when the CPA sets the appointments with the clients, the CPA has to be in the room for that, at least that first meeting. They must be in the room for the first meeting because um, John and I have learned that when I'm in the room, in the meeting, uh, first meeting of each relationship, our closure rate is uh, up over 90%. When I'm not in the room, our closure rate was around 50%. So you, you got to have that CPA in the room. The CPA needs to, um, to be an advocate for the client, but be an advocate for the relationship too. And the client is looking for the CPA's approval in the process, you know, and that's, I think, also an important aspect of this. And uh, again, I think, you know, it really comes down to that communication and fostering good, strong communication. It's um, training the CPA on what to look for and training the CPA on what's out there and new opportunities to help his, client, his or her client. Absolutely. I think those are all wonderful points and really help, um, you know, really frame out how a advisor can approach CPAs. I did want to go back a little bit and tease out something that you've said, because I think another thing that advisors, um, you know, do wrong or is a mistake in how they approach CPAs is their expectations of the relationship. And you've mentioned a couple of times um, you know, they think that you have 1500 clients they are going to get 1500 clients or they're going to be able to talk to all 1500 clients. And that's not the right expectation either to go into the relationship that we're looking for that right fit. And that, like you said, that you have to keep some of those separate in order to remain independent. So can you talk a little bit about that expectations about what they should, um, you know, what they're going to actually get out of that relationship? If, if the relationship is handled effectively. Um, it's going to take several years to cultivate the relationship and cultivate the transference of clients. It's going to take a little bit of time before the CPA, for most CPAs, to feel comfortable making the phone calls and most CPAs to feel comfortable about, you know, pushing the relationship to their clients, um, which is, which is I find to be kind of amusing. Um, if I was to start up a new, um, you know, trust division of my, you know, where I was going to do estate and trust work, of my accounting firm, I'd be looking to push that out to all of my clients and let my clients know I've got this new trust and estate division. But yet, if I set up a, a, a financial planning division with a financial planner, uh, I'm, I'm pretty low key on it. And I don't really talk about it. I mean, how does that make sense? It's, it's, it's no different from any other aspect of my firm. So I, again, I think that's something that, that again, financial planners can work with CPAs on. Um, with respect to that. But again, I, I, again, I think it comes down to, um, you know, when, you, when you're looking at um, some of these uh, ways that, that financial advisors can, can work more effectively with the, the CPA, and I'm sorry, just got sidetracked and I lost the question. <laughs> We were talking about framing expectations um, okay, from so what, you can, yeah, what you're going to get out of a CPA relationship because yeah. we, we hear advisors not only assuming this, but there are other companies out there that are just promoting like, oh, you're instantly going to get 25% of their list, right? Within the first year. And, and that's not what the reality is. Yeah, like you said, no. the reality is, is it takes time. You're not really ever going to get access or not all of them are going to become clients because there's so many other factors involved, but it takes time to train the CPA, to build up that trust level, to market those things. And the more 
active you are, it's going to get there. But I just wanted to yeah, no, no, really sorry. You know, get it get it from the horse's mouth here. <laughs> I, I only I only have two brain cells that are left functioning. So. Well, I know, yeah, John's John asked me with questions, questions so he, he he threw one of those brain cells off. So yeah, they they get jammed up with all those extra questions in there. <laughs> but but uh, but you know you, you're right and and. Again, I think John and I, over 20 years, we were able to convert about 30 to 35% of the, the clients. And that's, I think, a, a pretty reasonable expectation uh, of, of what should transfer over over time. Um, and, you know, one of the other things um, is you don't realize how much assets are in the portfolio of the clients that you serve. Uh, and, you know, I made certain assumptions early on that, this client doesn't have money, forget about them. But then when you actually go out and you um, develop that relationship, yeah, maybe they don't have money, but their parents have money or there's other resources of someone that they're working with. So if you can develop a, a good relationship with a client, um, no matter how big, and that's one of the things that I really liked. And, and again, you, uh, I should have mentioned earlier, one of the things I really liked about working with John and Ameriprise, John didn't put any limits on me. John didn't turn around and said, I'm only interested in clients that are doing a half a million, have a half a million dollars worth of assets to invest. John said to me, I will take any client you have. I will help them even if they want to set up a small IRA on the last day that they're due. And I have to run over and pick it up. And I have to, I'll do whatever I need to do in order to make you look good in front of your client. And I think it's that attitude um, from a financial planning perspective if that attitude holds true and you can kind of get that over to the accountant that, you know, you're in it to be a partner for them and that they are your client. They are the ones that you want to keep happy. Um, that I think that goes a long way. Yeah. I couldn't, couldn't have said it better myself. Ken, I think, um, you did say that. I think those were actually your words that I've stolen from something else you've said. So well, maybe <laughs> I actually did say it. Yeah. I thought it sounded smart. Actually. Eventually we all start sounding like you. We just pick up the phrases and we just start regurgitating them everywhere. Oh, <laughs> uh, see now as we end here, you guys are getting all sweet. I like that. Well, <laughs> let, let's do this guys. I think, um, I could, uh, Ken and I can kind of banter for hours and we, we do sometimes, but, um, I know our listeners are probably, uh, you know, we're right around that 45, 50 minute mark, or maybe even a little bit longer. So Ken, um, sincerely, I kept score today. Uh, it was three jabs to one, you won. Uh, no, 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 but I jabbed on myself too. So I gave you those, those are, those are freebies for you. I scored on my own goal. Oh, you did. That's right. And I did trip you up on the double, triple question. When Once I realized you could do two <laughs> at a time, I figured if I went to three, eventually I would make your mind blow up and it looks like I won. So that's good. So um, with that being said, in all sincerity, um, you've been an amazing partner for 20 years. Uh, I appreciate your partnership uh, and I appreciate uh, you being a guest on our podcast today. As always, you did a fantastic job and uh, I wanna sincerely thank you for coming. Uh, and with that, I'm going to turn it over uh, to Shenandoah to wrap things up. And I'm sure, Ken, maybe you'd like to get one final jab in before we go. Sure, sure. You got a good one? Uh, I was going to say, I appreciate the opportunity, um, you know, and uh, I figured you would you would provide me with some sort of parting gift or something like that. Yes, I, I certainly <laughs> It's in the mail. <laughs> it's exactly right. It's in the mail. You should just, just make sure you check your mailbox every day. It's on its way. <laughs> You might want to send someone else out to get it, though. <laughs> Let someone else open it. <laughs> well,
Well, thanks, Ken, so much for joining us. Um, and I do know that at the beginning, John said that Ken has presented some of our training. So um, I know our clients have seen you and have access to you. And if you are interested in getting access to some of that training, we'll be putting some links in the show notes that you can uh, tap into and learn more. And uh, for that, we will end this podcast and look forward to seeing you all next week. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find the episode show notes and subscribe for updates by visiting cuttonconsultinggroup.com forward slash podcast. Make sure to subscribe and download the episodes on your favorite podcast app, and we'll see you next week.